anything before the, the COVID pandemic seems like a lifetime ago, but thinking back this week, I realized that it was only just a few years ago when I went to the National Cathedral for the very first time. I was attending the Festival of Homiletics uh, there, a fancy, homiletics is a fancy word for preaching, by the way, uh, it was being hosted in D.C., and the opening night of the conference was being held at the National Cathedral. I was expecting a beautiful sanctuary of worship, but when I stepped inside, it gave me a feeling of awe and reverence that rivaled the first time I stepped into St. Peter's Basilica at the Vatican, or the opportunity I had to sit in prayer in the cave on the island of Patmos, where a legend says is the very place John received his revelation. It's in sacred places like these where one needs to stop and take a look around to fully appreciate the holiness of that moment. Stepping into the cathedral for the first time, I looked around and I thought about the role it's played in our nation's history. The countless people who have gathered in the space to worship and pray, the traditional prayer service held uh, for each presidential inauguration, the numerous presidents whose uh, final remembrance and funeral was celebrated there. I also thought about our confirmation students who for years have visited the cathedral and even uh, have the opportunity to participate in a worship service there. Stopping and taking a look around allowed me to take in the moment to be fully present in it. Today we celebrate Palm Sunday in Jesus' royal procession into the holy city of Jerusalem. This event serves as the beginning of Holy Week, the last week of Jesus' earthly ministry before his arrest, crucifixion, death, and finally, resurrection. As we begin this holiest of weeks, it's important to stop and take a look around to be fully present in this moment in time. It's also important to note that the people in our story today were looking around. They were waiting. They were expecting a king, a new leader to show up and set things right. See, in this time, Jerusalem and all of Judea were living under occupation by Rome. They were levied with oppressive taxes and faced constant threats of violence if they didn't obey. Their ultimate hope was that God would send a new king to deliver them by force from Rome and bring back the glory days of King David. We see these hopes on full display in Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. And Mark, who's usually the master of brevity in his gospel telling, starts to slow his pace here to make sure we know all the details and significant moments taking place. Mark tells us that Jesus and his followers are approaching Jerusalem from the east on the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives is where people expected this liberation to take place, to be the origin of. Jesus asked his disciples to secure a never-ridden colt, ensuring that it was fit for royal or even religious ceremonial use. 
And as he journeys in, we see yet two more allusions to royalty. The cloaks spread on the ground are reminiscent of the coronation of King Jehu of Israel long before. The branches, uh, supposedly and presumably palm branches, though are a much more subversive symbol. They bring the memory of Israel back to the Maccabean revolt. As the Jews waved palm branches and sung out in praise as they reclaimed Jerusalem by force. As Jesus rides, they shout, Hosanna, save us, a cheer fitting only for a valiant warrior and king. When you add in the fact that Jesus is going to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, it gets even clearer. After all, Passover is a time when Jerusalem as the holy city would quadruple in size as Jewish folks from all over came to celebrate this festival, remembering when God delivered them from the hands of another evil empire, Egypt. You can see why Roman authorities might be on high alert. This is why the regional governor, Pontius Pilate, would make the 60-mile or so trip from his home in Caesarea by the sea to be there to snuff out any uh, hint of rebellion. There are a lot of details at play in Mark's account of Jesus arriving in Jerusalem, and all of these lead to display Jesus as this long-awaited king. Yet, as we will see in the days that follow, Jesus may be the king God has sent to save God's people, but he certainly isn't the kind of king they were expecting. Instead of taking power by force, he will take power by the sacrificial way of the cross. It goes to show that our expectations of what God will do may well look different than what God actually does. The story of Palm Sunday and the Passion account that follows assures us that our expectations of what God can do will always be surpassed by what God actually does. Surpassed in God's great love for us. The most fascinating detail, though, in Mark's account, at least to me in my, my reading this past week, occurs at the end of the scene. While the other Gospels depict Jesus going to uh, the temple in Jerusalem as a child or uh, multiple times in his ministry, as he does three times in John's gospel. In Mark, Jesus only goes to the big city of Jerusalem once, at this moment. Much of Mark's gospel takes place in the Galilean countryside. For Mark, Jesus was a country preacher and was now coming into the big old city. When he arrives, Mark describes Jesus entering the temple, presumably for the very first time, and what does he do? Mark says, when he had looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Jesus stops and takes a look around. At first glance, this might seem like a small, insignificant detail, but as scholar Roger Gensch reflected, Mark's Jesus has a distinct habit of looking around at important moments in the gospel. At his baptism, Jesus looks up and sees the heaven torn in two and the spirit descending 
on him like a dove. The same image of the heavens being torn will come to mind again in Jesus' death as the temple curtain is torn in two, the very curtain separating uh, the people from the Holy of Holies. A couple chapters later after Jesus' baptism, he'll heal a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. And as Jesus looks at the Pharisees with grief at their hardness of heart, as they go off to plot with the Herodians to stop Jesus once and for all. Or in just the previous chapter before Palm Sunday, as the rich man asks what he must do to inherit eternal life, Mark tells us that Jesus looks at the man. He looks at the man, loves him, and invites him to sell all of his possessions, give the proceeds to the poor, then come and follow him. When talking with the disciples about the difficulty for those with wealth to inherit the kingdom, the disciples say, well, who then can be saved? Mark tells us that Jesus looks at them and says, for mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Looking around is an important action for Mark. And here in our lesson, Jesus arrives at the temple and takes a look around. When we think about it, this is a very human thing for Jesus to do as this country rabbi shows up to the big city and stops and takes in the sights. He stands in awe in this moment of being in the temple. This emphatic looking around could also be seen and understood as an act of foreshadowing of what he'll do in that same temple the very next day when he turns over the tables of the money changers. Or the looking around the scribes and Pharisees will do in the following chapters as together they look for an opportunity to arrest and kill Jesus. Jesus stops and takes a look around. What do you think he sees? Jesus sees a temple that's become a marketplace, a temple that through Herod has become yet another pawn of the Roman Empire. Jesus looks around and sees a crowd that today is cheering a royal hosanna, but we know that this very crowd will soon be shouting, crucify him. Jesus looks around and sees 12 disciples, one of which will soon betray him, while the others will desert him after his arrest. Standing in the temple at the beginning of his last week, Jesus takes a look around and he sees it all. I wonder if perhaps Jesus sees us too in this moment. If Jesus sees his followers today just as we are. Jesus sees us right now as we are in our struggles during this pandemic. Jesus sees our fear, our greed. Jesus sees the senseless acts of hatred and violence. Jesus sees the polarization that divides us from one another. Jesus takes a look around and sees us just as we are in our brokenness, our struggles, our failings. Jesus takes a look around, sees us, and loves us. 
Jesus takes a look around, sees us, loves us, and then goes back to Bethany, assured of his mission of what he's come to do, to save and redeem us. Friends, as we journey together through this holy week to the cross and to the empty tomb, may we be sure to stop, take it all in, to take a look around to see the struggles of our neighbor, take a look around to be in this holy moment as we witness yet again God's wondrous love glorified on the cross and arise in victory at the empty tomb. May it be so, friends. Amen.